Welcome to Simply Living Wellness, where you'll learn how to love yourself, heal yourself, and how to nurture your mind, body, and spirit. Today, we're here to talk with Mary Beauchamp about how you can take control of your health and heal yourself by becoming keto-adapted. So I got to experience one of Mary's programs a few years ago, and I continued to enjoy her superfood smoothie mixes that she developed. I absolutely love them. Um, and many of you have probably heard about the ketogenic diet, but there's a lot of misunderstanding about this approach, um, or should I say there are ways of following this diet that are actually not so healthy. It's kind of like being a vegan. Just because you're vegan doesn't mean that you're healthy and eating nutrient-rich whole foods. So ketogenic, same kind of thing. Um, there's many different ways to follow it. And Mary has her unique approach to living keto-adapted that is really more about a lifestyle change. So we're going to get to hear about that from Mary. And Mary Beauchamp is a registered nurse, a world traveler, and a food alchemist and a student of healing ancient traditions. So with her knowledge of nutritional science, natural plant medicines, and ancient superfoods, she formulates food products for the natural foods industry. Mary's a private health coach, specializing in healing the metabolism and reversing disease through the implementation of therapeutic nutritional strategies and mindful awareness. I love it. Um, she addresses both environmental, emotional, and dietary stressors. Mary's passionate about re-educating people about nutrition. There's so much misunderstanding about nutrition out there. She works with a team of naturopathic doctors in Northern California, and she also offers private and group online coaching programs that you can dial into from anywhere in the world. So I know, Mary, you're about to launch a six-week program coming up very soon. I'm excited to have you share that with us. So welcome, Mary, to the show. So excited to have you. Thank you, Donna, for that fabulous introduction. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me on your show. Excellent. So let's just get started with your story. Um, Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got interested in the ketogenic diet. Well, I grew up on a farm where we raised horses and other animals too. And I remember when I was about two and three years old, that young, even feeding the horses with my mother in the barn. And mm. I recognized early on that the pregnant mares ate very differently than the gildings out in the pasture. And we had, you know, our whole rhythm of elaborate grains and oils and all these special bran and everything that we would put in the feed. And I remember mixing it up with my hands and the rubber buckets. And so I always had this um, awareness sort of innately that nutrition mattered. And so I knew that I wanted to be some, I, I was very drawn to uh, physiology and, and health and well-being from a very young age. And so when I graduated from high school, I thought that I wanted to be a doctor, uh, but then I got pregnant right away and got married. And that just didn't fit into my lifestyle at that point. So I went to nursing school instead. 
And I figured that was the next best thing I could do to educate myself more so about the human body and the workings of, of it. So I committed myself to that. And um, right out of uh, nursing school, I went to work at a clinic. And this is probably the turning point for my life in terms of the ketogenic diet. I was introduced at that time to Dr. Stephen Finney, who is a pioneer in the world of low-carb lifestyles, and he wrote a book. He's done a ton of research at his clinic where I worked with him um, right out of nursing school and began to learn the concepts of the impact the low-carbohydrate diet has on um, obese, diabetic uh, patients with heart disease, who the medical industry had basically given up on. And so those were the patients that we saw. And I, I wanted to just say a little bit more about Stephen Finney because he has been a beacon of light in this um, world of, of low-carb living. He wrote a book called The Art and Science of Low-Carbohydrate Living, which I highly recommend for healthcare professionals um, to read that if you're interested in knowing more. He rewrote the Atkins um, diet, and he wrote a book called The New Atkins for a New You, and really dispelled many of the myths that had been um, perceived by Dr. Atkins' work. And one of those was that the Atkins diet was supposed to be a high, a high protein diet. Mm -hmm. And that actually is, is not the message that um, was wanting to be put out into the world by Dr. Atkins. So he sort of um, clarified a lot of misconceptions that people had about the Atkins diet when he wrote the new Atkins for a new you. And that book's much more geared towards lay people who are just wanting to um, implement something in their home. And so that was a, a big part of my learning about this. And then I departed from that and went on to teach um, pregnant women about nutrition and natural childbirth for about 12 years. And so what was similar about that is that when you are in a state of uh, metabolic distress either can be brought up, brought upon you by either um, dietary stressors, emotional stressors, um, and also environmental stressors. And the two things that I really saw in common here was that whether you're diabetic, obese, heart disease, any of that is a metabolic dysfunction. Um, there's also very similar metabolic dysfunctions because when you're pregnant, your body is under a severe amount of, of metabolic stress um, that, that, that a pregnancy will put on the physiology. So very similar things often show up um, when people are pregnant. You have um, fluctuations in blood sugar, gestational diabetes. You also have a tendency towards um, some of the other um, diseases in pregnancy that are common, which are toxemia, preeclampsia, things like that. So these are all due to a metabolic um, imbalance. And so when I then started raising my own four children, um, I now today have two grandchildren as well. Um, I learned through watching them in cycles of sickness, you could say, um, throughout their childhood, and, and began to notice a pattern, which took me back to Stephen Finney's work, um, because I did not realize the far-reaching benefits of the ketogenic diet at the time that I had my own children, um, until I started to see this pattern where they would go to a friend's house, and they would eat, or they would go to the birthday party, they would come home from Halloween eating their bag of candy, uh, or the grandparents, and they would 
chronically get sick. And so I started to wonder what is going on with them that is potentially outside of the realm of a metabolic um, syndrome, you could say, that is creating this upset in my children's immune system. And it definitely was connected to sugar. And so I went back and was just furiously researching ketogenic diets and low carb diets and sugar, and the impact of sugar on the immune system. And I started to get really clear that you don't have to have diabetes or metabolic syndrome or be obese or have heart disease to be negatively impacted by the amount of carbohydrates that you eat. And so I became very diligent because my children have never had an antibiotic and I never wanted them to have an antibiotic. Um, so I became very um, hyper vigilant, you could say, about their, their diets and what they would eat um, when they were out and about in public places and grandmas and parties and whatnot. Um, and so I was able to really impact their outcomes, I guess you could say, um, and the amount of time that they spent sick <clears throat> by simply monitoring the sugar that they would be allowed to have either in or out of the home. So although they may go have, you know, birthday cake and, and candy at Halloween, when they were at home, they, we always ate very low carb. And I believe that that is the way that I was able to keep them from having to ever have antibiotics or, and vaccinations throughout their life. And that was sort of my strategy. And so I think that for parents, it's a valuable tool to know that you can counterbalance the um, onslaught of environmental exposure to toxins out there in the world for your kids just by simply managing a little bit more diligently, perhaps, the food that you serve them in your home. And by teaching them this, they actually will learn that they feel better when they're not eating that way. And so then they will be able to then be more self responsible when it comes to their own health. So that's a little bit of the background on my, on my story and how I got to where I am today, which is really focused on presently meeting people where they are and dealing with many, many far reaching um, disease processes that can be positively influenced simply by changing your diet. And that could mean um, even cancer, you know, the, the, the research that's coming out, um, it's been very obvious in the world of um, weight loss and obesity and um, diabetes in terms of the, the positive effects of a ketogenic diet. But now we're seeing this in the world of cancer, um, mental illness, um, ADHD, schizophrenia, seizures, which has always been something that has been available in the medical literature, even Alzheimer's. The doctors are now calling Alzheimer's type three diabetes because it is triggered by blood, uh, high blood sugar, basically. And so there's a direct connection between blood sugar levels long-term and uh, brain degeneration. Okay, so the amount of data that's now available, um, which it wasn't before when I was talking about this. So 15 years ago, when I was telling people to reduce their carbohydrates, they looked at me like I was absolutely crazy. <laughs> and, and so I'm absolutely delighted that today we, we can go and, and find scientific you know, data to, to support this. Um, and it's not a theory anymore. It's actually scientifically proven. Mm, that's wonderful. So, um, 
so I know that, you know, you've talked about diet specifically and what you eat. And I know, but I know there's more to the story. Um, you bring in that spiritual aspect, mind, mind over body. Um, talk, talk to us a little bit about that and how you utilize those aspects to help your clients. Yeah. Well, for me, um, I like to approach any type of lifestyle. The ketogenic diet to me isn't, isn't really a diet. It's a, it's a lifestyle and you'll hear it called a diet. Um, but it's, it's really a lifestyle. And so in order to create a sustainable lifestyle for anybody, um, I feel like one of the major aspects of doing that is creating a sustainable practice that incorporates um, the mind and body in the transition, in the transformation. Because if you don't incorporate the aspects of the psyche and the energy of the mind, um, it's like swimming upstream. Mm -hmm. And so once we can um, really see the influence of our thoughts on our physiology and begin to understand the connection between thoughts and emotion, um, then makes this process much easier and one that can become very sustainable. And that's really my hope for everybody that I work with, that mm -hmm. they can develop a, a, these simple lifestyle practices that allow them to use this long-term to create um, profound benefits that only happen when you can maintain something for a sustained period of time. Mm, so you actually teach this in your group? classes, which I know you're about to start one soon. It, it's not just about here's what you eat. Here's what you don't eat. <laughs> do, do you do yeah. exercises together or you teach them what, how to do the, you know, lifestyle change and mindfulness practices, that kind of thing. That's right. Exactly. And it isn't really about do this step one, step two, um, eat these things, don't eat these things. So you're right. The whole entire first section of the um, practices that we work through in my groups is setting the stage for success and really designing your home, creating a sacred space for yourself, um, asking for support, and setting everything up around you so that you will be far more capable of success. And in doing that, I would say that the easy part is changing the diet. The easy part is going in the kitchen and making a recipe, following a step to, to make a, a food item that maybe you've never made before. The hard part is grappling with the inner dialogue. It's struggling with the self-talk. Um, it's working with yourself and relating to yourself in a different way so that you can really understand the triggers emotionally that are causing you to make choices that you know are not good for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's um, really the foundational part of creating this platform that, that I like to work from. I love that you're doing that because clearly, you know, um, most weight loss programs don't and diets don't address that. Otherwise there wouldn't be so many out there, right? If they worked, then then there wouldn't be a market for so many of them. So that's awesome. So let's, I don't want to get too much into detail about what is ketogenic because, you know, there's just so much information out there. I want to spend our time maybe talking a little bit more of um, 
well, what does it mean to be keto adapted and um, why, why does it work? Why is this so successful? That's a great question. Well, I think that the reason why it's so successful is because we are, as human beings, as a species, we are hardwired for certain things to work and certain things not to work. For example, we are not nocturnal creatures. So we are designed by nature to sleep and rest at night and to be awake during the day. And we can do a lot of things to try to make that not be true. But no matter what we do, that is something that the body is always going to want. Okay, so the, the beautiful part about a ketogenic diet, in my opinion, is that it actually honors those natural cycles and circadian rhythms that the, the body is already wired for. So when we do that, we have extraordinary results outside um, because we're having extraordinary results inside. And there's a reason why every major religion on the planet uses fasting and prayer together to manifest um, incredible things in the world mm -hmm. and in, inside of the spiritual connection that we have with, um, with our body and, and with, you know, the, the world around us. So, um, this is something that the ketogenic diet really honors. And that's why it's so important. Um, I think for us to realize that this is a spiritual process and a ketogenic diet is a fasting mimicking diet. So the benefits that you're getting are ones in which you would experience while fasting. So it creates a tremendous amount of mental clarity. Mm. It creates an open channel for removing uh, toxins because it accesses the fat stores in your body, which are where toxins are stored. So when you start to remove and access and metabolize and um, sort of get rid of these stored toxins, you have even more presence and awareness and elevated consciousness. Um, and that is what happens when you fast as well. So in my programs, I like to couple um, the low-carb ketogenic fasting mimicking, if you will, um, approach dietarily with, with um, periods of intermittent fasting. So that's what really brings this to the next level and makes it much more sustainable and achievable for people. Um, I like to call the ketogenic diet a lifestyle because diets don't work because they require you to count calories and to be um, really managing things on an external basis where a ketogenic lifestyle, you don't need to count calories because you're not hungry all the time. So you don't need to constantly be thinking in terms of limitation. Um, you're thinking in more in terms of expansion and broadening your uh, perspective on things as opposed to narrowing and diminishing and having to restrict and be sort of in a um, deprivation mode. It's, it's, it's very different from that. And it allows you to have this um, more connected, open spiritual channel, if you will, so that all sorts of things in your life begin to shift that you would have never, ever expected. Not only do, do you begin to effortlessly lose weight because your metabolism shifts over to burning fat instead of glucose for fuel, so you're able to tap into your own body fat stores and effortlessly lose weight, meaning that you don't have to limit your calories and exercise more. You have to, it's, it's a whole different paradigm shift. 
that most people do not understand. Um, the ketogenic diet or lifestyle triggers the natural satiety signals in our body based on whole, real, natural foods. So there's a lot of misconception about, oh, I have to eat all this meat and I have to drink this bulletproof coffee and do all these things. Um, that actually isn't part of this at all. In fact, it's very different from a quote-unquote paleo approach. Um, it's, it's similar in ways because it doesn't um, promote the, the uh, use of a lot of grains and things like that, which is also true for paleo. Um, but where it isn't, similar at all to paleo is that it's it's not based on um, high amounts of animal proteins. So too much protein will also kick you out of ketosis or trigger an insulin response. So it's a very moderate protein diet. It is not at all a high protein diet. And that is the whole entire basis for Stephen Finney's book, The New Atkins for a New You, because so many people thought that the Atkins diet was a high protein diet. And he wanted to clarify that. So if you're interested in more, knowing more about that, you can read his book, The New Atkins um, for a New You. But the, the, the truth about the ketogenic diet is that it's a moderate protein diet. It's, it's a very low carb diet so that you shut off the insulin response because insulin is the fat storage hormone. And it's really just that simple. If you can shut off that mechanism, the body was wired and designed to switch over to burning fat. And another misconception is that if I stop eating, um, you know, a lot of people have this fear that if they stop eating carbohydrates, their body's going to start to metabolize their lean body mass. And that's not, that's simply not true. So what is true about that we know that's proven by science and thousands and thousands of people that have done this is that your body does not seek protein after the glucose is, is no longer available. It seeks fat. So whether it's body fat or dietary fat, it's going to look for fat next for fuel. That's simply a scientifically proven fact. So you don't have to be worried that you're going to lose, you know, all your, all your muscle mass. Um, it's actually used by many um, bodybuilders now to actually build muscle and used in conjunction with um, muscle building and the ketogenic diets. Very, very effective. Uh, so yeah, I just wanted to clarify that little point about, protein for the, the ketogenic lifestyle, because it's not really based on that. Um, and again, our body was wired for this. So it's built into our DNA that when glucose is not available, we shift over to fat burning. And really we were, we were built more like a cheetah than a cow. So we weren't made to graze all day. We, we were not made to graze all day and, and even into the night as most people do because food's so readily available. Uh, we were made to feast and famine and have some carbs and some berries and the honeycomb or the whatever we found that may have been eat during our, you know, um, evolution. And it was very seasonal and we would consume that and we would move on to the next, you know, place that we would be maybe traveling if, if we were migrating in a, in a tribe or whatnot. So we were really designed to eat large amounts of food and, and have some carbohydrates when they were available and then go for a period of a, a, a while, maybe perhaps even a long time with no food at all or in a starvation mode. So the very nature hunter gatherer society is one in which you are living in a feast and famine cycle. And so it's not, you have to 
maintain this forever. Um, I would say that if you have weight to lose, you may have a little bit more of a restricted um, diet for a while in, in the realm of keto, a, a keto ad adapted state. But once you reach your goal weight, you can fluctuate. So it's really more about creating metabolic flexibility. It's kind of like metabolic yoga. That's the way I like to look at a ketogenic diet as opposed to um, just being constantly in a sugar burning mode or a glucose burning mode. You can flip flop back and forth. Your metabolism becomes very flexible so that you can have indulgences and you can have celebrations. And then you can go back to being without the sugars and the carbs for a period of time until you burn through them and you flip back into ketosis for a while. And then you can go in and out with ease. And that's what really is what a keto adaptation is all about. This period of time takes about two weeks, 14 days at the minimum to become fully keto adapted. You may begin to produce ketones after two to three days of fasting, but it's really about a sustained period of time that you maintain that where you really start to get the benefits of being in what I would call long-term therapeutic ketosis. And so if you had cancer or inoperable brain tumor, something like that, when you really needed to manage your blood sugar, because sugar is um, something that cancer cells thrive on, um, then you would be a little bit more diligent about how often you ate carbohydrates probably than somebody who's just um, maintaining their weight, for example. Um, if you're in a weight loss phase, you probably have a little bit less carbs than somebody who's just maintaining their body weight. Um, but still, mindfulness of carbohydrates is the long-term approach for your lifestyle. Hmm. That's interesting. That's new to me that um, you, know, you can bounce in and out um, and then that that's okay. So for somebody that is trying to lose weight or, or combat a health issue, um, and it's maybe recommended that they stay in ketosis. Is it okay for long-term to, to stay in ketosis? You hear about um, issues, you know, that could develop, and, you know, you've already addressed the one about eating up muscle mass, but um, are there any other consequences for actually being in ketosis for long periods of time? You know, like I said, it kind of depends on what your purpose for doing it is. Um, my personal purpose is because I feel best that way. I feel more clear, present, aware, conscious, and connected. Um, from a spiritual perspective, I appreciate the um, energy, the vibration that I have in my body when I'm in ketosis. And I can tell immediately if I have too many carbohydrates without ever testing my ketones um, that I'm out of ketosis just because my body has a wholly different energy flow in it. So because I prefer that, um, I, it sort of self-regulates itself. Now, if you, yeah, so for me, it's not a, a dire consequence if I'm not in ketosis all the time. So I'll bounce in and out occasionally if I'm, you know, like I said, at, at the wedding or the, you know, Thanksgiving dinner or whatever, when it, whenever a couple times a, a year or a month or however I choose to, to work my feast and famine cycle that works for me, I don't think that I am that concerned if I'm in or out necessarily. I also use it personally for weight management, which means anybody who's maintaining their weight needs to eat a lot more dietary fat than somebody who has a bunch of um, stored energy sitting on their body right? So you have access to that as a fuel source. So you don't need as much dietary fat. Mm. 
okay. if that makes sense. So if somebody's trying to maintain a specific um, ratio of ketones and blood sugar for therapeutic reasons to say manage cancer or things like that, that they would want to be very particular. So for them, uh, for those types of people, they may be much more diligent and monitor and not fluctuate too much outside of the realm of their ketones in the, in the levels of ketones, I should say. Um, some people might prefer just to be at a, at a moderate level. And you can, you can know this only if you are testing your ketones and your blood glucose. Okay. So I teach people how to, how to do that if they choose, if they want to get to that level of detail, but it's um, not always necessary for diabetics. It's, it's something that's really important to monitor their blood glucose and ketone levels. Um, so they typically go hand in hand. The lower your blood sugar goes, the higher your ketones go. So they sort of, um, are paradoxical that way in their in the numbers that you'll be getting. So it's very beneficial for tracking purposes and, and knowing where you are. But I don't know that for a long for long term because you will continue to need to manage your body weight. So in in terms of how long is the right amount of time for somebody to be in ketosis or on a ketogenic diet, it's it's totally up to them. Depending on what how severe their symptoms are and to what extent they need to manage them. And it's completely 100% individual. Hmm. Excellent. So um, I, I love that you talked about the new Atkins book. I have it myself. I also did traditional Atkins back in college. We used to call it the meat diet back then. So I love <laughs> that you approached uh, that you um, you know talked about protein, how it and how it's really not a high protein diet, which is the big myth I think out there. But um, you know that was one of the concerns I had when I really started ketogenic more recently and actually counted my carbs and. You know, I just felt like I couldn't get a lot of vegetables into my diet because vegetables do have carbs in them, and then it could also kick me out of ketosis. So maybe you could just address that and how you were able to get such highly nutrient-rich foods in the diet and remain in ketosis. And in fact, you—I know that you even are able to do it in a, as a vegan lifestyle, so vegans can even follow this this diet, which, which really means, you know, you don't have to have that animal fat or animal protein. So can you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so it can be a little bit more tricky for a vegan, um, to have a healthy diet in general. Um, because a lot of the required essential nutrients that we need as a human come from animals. So what I could say about that is that if you're reliant upon plant-based protein, it becomes a little bit more challenging because plants are higher in carbohydrates, particularly the type of plants that you would need to combine together in order to make a complete protein. So there is no plant that is a complete protein by itself other than plants that I wouldn't want to talk about or recommend at all to be eaten, um, such as soy. So I won't get into that. But let's just say you wanted to combine beans and rice traditionally, which have been combined together to create a complete protein. You can't do that if you're on a ketogenic diet because you would be getting way too many carbs in your protein. So today with different protein extracts from plants, you could probably manage it with the different protein powders that are available. 
And that would be something that would have to be a little bit more well planned out. And so it is possible. What is possible is to maintain a, a, um, your, your fat intake potentially with only plant fats which can be done, you know, there's a lot of unhealthy vegetarians and vegans out there because they rely very much on carbohydrates and processed foods. So, you know, you can find a lot of um, vegetarian and vegan crackers and cookies and breads and baked goods and bakery, you name it, it's out there. You can find it that is, you know, gluten-free and uh, quote unquote healthy. Um, and so these are the things that aren't available anymore if you're on a low carb diet. And so if you cut out that huge, you know, food group that a lot of vegetarians and vegans um, rely on, this is why we're seeing, you know, epidemic proportions of leaky gut in vegetarian and vegans because they rely heavily on grains. And those are usually the people that come to me and wonder what they can do. And so I like to approach this first and foremost in by healing and sealing the gut in the process of actually moving into the keto adapted state. And so that's the way that I like to do it. And it's almost impossible to heal your gut if it's leaky with plants, because that is um, typically plant plants in general inflame the gut. So if you have leaky gut, you, there's not as many options. Um, if you're vegan and vegetarians, it, it's, it's possible, but it's a little bit more challenging. So I'll just say that. So putting veganism aside, still just maintaining that low carb diet. Do you feel like you can get enough nutrients in your diet when you're not eating even a ton of vegetables because they have, you know, the higher, they have carbs in it as well. So how, how do you get the nutrients in your diet by remaining in, you know, ketogenic? That's a great question. And one of the ways that I like to approach this is that number one, you, all of the carbohydrates pretty much that you will be consuming on a low carb or ketogenic diet always will come mainly from vegetables. And there's only certain vegetables that you cannot eat because they are high in carbohydrates, particularly the root vegetables that store major amounts of, of starch, right? That's what potatoes do. They're starch storage houses. <laughs> so um, carrots, right? <laughs> carrots can be high on the list as well. So yeah, you want to avoid certain vegetables and you want to focus on primarily the low carb, um, very, you know, lots of leafy greens, lots of green things. Um, there's just a, an entire, there's a lot of, of, there's a huge list. So you don't have to worry about not getting enough vegetables. You just have to worry about get, um, planning on eating the right vegetables. So you can definitely um, get all of your nutritional needs met by eating these low carb vegetables as part of your lifestyle. And in addition to that, what I want to talk about next is really the addition of superfoods. Okay. Herbal um, superfoods are sort of plants that straddle the line between a medicinal herb and a whole food. So they're called superfoods. And many of them are um, traditional Chinese medicines. Um, they are 
they've been used in ancient cultures throughout the world. Um, and I just refer to all of them as superfoods, and that would also include medicinal mushrooms, um, nutraceutical mushrooms. Mm -hmm. So these are, these are pr plant proteins that you can get and simply add them to a high-fat, plant-based, when the gut is ready, I would say, not until then. But I like to teach people how to make these, these high-fat herbal elixirs that incorporate superfoods and superfats. And it's, it makes your life in the kitchen so much easier because you can now have access to a very nutrient-rich, micronutrient-dense, three-minute blended meal that you can then carry with you for most of the day and you will never feel hungry. So these are some of the little tips and tricks that I love that I've used for years that I've taught many people, including kids, my own kids and other kids, how to, how to make these um, high fat um, delicious drinks. One of my favorite high fat drinks is made with chocolate because cacao is a wonderful high fat, high quality plant fat. And so I bring a lot of cacao, raw cacao into my diet and teach others how to make their own healthy chocolate with no sugar, how to make hot chocolates and um, other sorts of blended chocolate drinks um, and incorporate these high quality nutrient dense plant fats into the diet. So it's, it's actually really easy to do in that way when you start incorporating these superfoods into your diet. Hmm, I was going to ask you for some tips of kids because that's the challenge. You can barely go into any restaurant or coffee shop or anywhere in our society and have something to eat. So like a Starbucks, for, there, there's nothing at Starbucks really that I would eat So or can mm -hmm. eat if I'm on this diet. So that, that's helpful to know that you make those smoothies and you, and you bring them with you. Any other tips on snack foods or things that people could bring on the go? Because we're such an on-the-go lifestyle these days. Um, it's, it's hard to stick with this kind of diet. So, I mean, do yeah. you like macadamia nuts or what else, what else do you recommend? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, the, one of the keys about a ketogenic lifestyle is that you're not hungry. So we're a traditional diet that's based on restricting calories and exercising more. The reason that fails is because you're hungry all the time. Mm. And that's why it's not sustainable. On a ketogenic diet, once you start producing ketones, you're not hungry all the time. And so it's a self-regulating um, process. So you're not running around constantly dreaming about the next sandwich you're going to go get at the, you know, um, subway or whatever. So it's, it's a very different paradigm. And this is what most people don't understand about it. Once you start to produce ketones, it shuts off your appetite and it completely, your craving draw away. So if you have your mug with a tight fitting bin or your mason jar or whatever with your high fat drink in it, you're completely satisfied, you know, so you can sip on that throughout the day. And then you maybe have one main meal. So we turn into um, more of like a cheetah than a horse that's grazing all day. So we, we, we literally switch our metabolism so that we're okay to just relax. Our metabolism can finally relax for the first time, perhaps in our entire life. And then the body can actually start to do the healing that it's been putting off perhaps for 20, 30, 40, 50 years because it's been too busy managing and regulating this 
toxic overload of sugar for so long. And it's much more important for the body to handle this stress response because the peaks and drops in, your, in the blood sugar produce an ongoing stress response with stress hormones. So the body's constantly getting the message that there's something to be worried about. You'd be running for your life right now from that saber-toothed tiger because it's chasing you. And so we get caught in this swirl of um, fear hormones and stress hormones, and we cannot get out of it until we stop the insulin response and stop eating so many carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. And once that happens, our metabolism can finally come to a balanced place, and then the immune system can actually start doing its job because it's far more important for the body to find safety than it is to, or to, to fight the saber-toothed tiger than it is to fight a virus or a bacteria or a pathogen, okay? So while we're in this constant stir of, of fear hormones and stress hormones, um, the immune system's put on hold. And so when we bring the metabolism into balance, there is just no end to the amount of housekeeping that can be done when the immune system has a chance to do what it was designed to do. Mm. So it's probably what leads to all those chronic illnesses is that our body's just in that stress constantly. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Mary, we're, we're just about out of time. I know I could talk to you for hours <laughs> and I know you could talk for hours. This is just really exciting information. I just, I love it. Um, I really encourage our listeners to go check out your website, learn how to make those really yummy smoothies. So you're going to have to give us your contact information, but also how they can find those smoothie mixes because honestly your green smoothie in particular is by far the best I have ever tried. I mean, it is so yummy and I'm sure very low carb. So um, tell us how our listeners can get more of you. And I'm just so appreciative that you came on today. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Don. I really appreciate you inviting me to be your guest and I love to share about these things and it's a, definitely a passion that I have. So um, thank you. And so I've designed many nutritional products, food products for the health food industry over the last 15 years. And most of them hire me as an independent consultant. So I can't tell you the names of them, but I can tell you the name of one company that you can find many of the products that I've designed which are low carb. They are sweetened with low glycemic sweeteners such as monk fruit and stevia. And you can find those at brightearthfoods.com. Bright like the sun, earth like the planet, foods.com. And there's wonderful superfoods on that uh, website. You can order things online. They're also in a number of health food stores across the nation, uh, the US. So that's a place you can go to find um, good quality, organic, uh, superfood-based products. Um, and then you can find me at ketogenicdietcoach.com and you can check out my programs and services there. Um, I also have a group on Facebook, a private Facebook group called Ketogenic Diet for Beginners that's free. You can join and get a lot more information on this process that um, you may be interested in getting a little bit more familiar with. So those are some ways you can connect with me online. And I hope to see you somewhere on the inside. 
Excellent. Um, yeah, I encourage everybody to go to that Facebook group. I didn't realize you had a free one. Also, I know you have private ones for your your clients, but wow. Okay, that's great. So that's how they can get access to you. And, yeah. and I'm sure learn a lot more on your website as well. So thank you for coming on. I, I hope to get you back one day soon. And good luck with the launch of that program. And you know what, Mary, you've totally motivated me to get back on the wagon. <laughs> Great. Wonderful. Well, come come so, and join me. <laughs> I was so diligent for uh, being ketogenic, and I felt great, too. And you're right. I, I was never hungry. And then I kind of fell off, and I'm feeling really crappy. So, you know, this is motivation to me to get back on. Oh, wonderful. Awesome. Well, thanks, Donna. I appreciate that. And thanks for sharing your story. It's really powerful to hear other people's experiences with their journey. Yeah, excellent. Okay, well, have a great day, everyone. And we will be back in our next episode.